Welcome to the Female Influencer, Career Advancement Strategies for Women. I'm Lacey Shane. I'm super excited today to have my friend and colleague as a guest, Kimberly Roosh. And I want to tell you a little bit about her before she says hello. Kimberly Roosh is the founder of All Star Executive Coaching, which specializes in coaching C-level and VP-level executives from Fortune 100 companies to solopreneurs. She's also the co-author of Who Are You When You Are Big? Kimberly, a former national partner with the Big Four Public Accounting Firm, brings more than 30 years of business experience to her coaching, including extensive work with C-suite executives, boards of directors, and audit committees. She facilitates a popular program called Back in the Game, which is a three-month group coaching program for executives in transition. Kimberly is also a keynote speaker and leadership facilitator and a charter member of Forbes Speakers. And I will add, and Kimberly, I think you should add this to your bio here, that she is on the board of the Cal State Fullerton Women's Leadership Program. Um, and she's a, a phenomenal contributor to helping the next generation succeed as well. So Kimberly, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I do need to add that to my bio and I need to add it to my LinkedIn profile too. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, we love working with you, Cal State Fullerton. And Kimberly is also a speaker for, for our young women in the program. So glad to have you today. Thanks. Thanks. Very fun. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you have a very successful practice. And before we get into some of the meat of our questions, I was wondering if you'd just share a little bit about what you do every day. Sure. I coach all-star executives to play their biggest game. And, you know, when I looked at what, where my strengths and my gifts are, it's all in, you know, really challenging and inspiring people and empowering them. And I do that through kind of my all-star executive edge model, if you will, which includes starting with great awareness, really understanding, you know, what your strengths and your values and your gifts are, what do we have to work with? What are the things that are, you know, keeping you playing a small game and how do we address those and, and shift into more powerful perspectives, activation, get clear on where you're going and why, and, um, and then activate to get there. But if we don't know where we're going, it's, we're kind of just floundering, right? Amplification, establishing new skills, habits, and behaviors, tools, and techniques that'll help you get there faster, easier, and more efficiently. Creating allies, which Lacey and I are all about, allies, and net playing, and having a, you know, a personal board of advisors and a, and a network that will help us get to where we want to go. And finally, having the advantage of sustainable momentum, really just celebrating your successes, setting new goals and creating a ripple effect that, of significant impact that lasts um, in your lives and beyond. That is such an exciting description of what you do. Who wouldn't want any of that? One of, one of the things, <laughs> this actually isn't my list of questions, but I just wanted to say, because Kimberly just presented to the uh, Women's Leadership Program at Cal State Fullerton, the one thing that res resonated with me so much is the idea of a resourceful state of mind mm. and how we foster that or we, or we don't. I mean, I know I'm throwing you a curveball here, but can you just talk a little bit about how valuable, the value of a resourceful state of mind? 
Oh, absolutely. And it ties right into my book, which is called Who Are You When You Were Big? And big isn't about ego or title or money. It's, it's you know, kind of like a personal brand statement on steroids. It's your strengths, your values, your gifts, and it's the ability to claim it from a place of just humble gratitude. Um, but I believe there are no unresourceful people only unresourceful states of mind and every moment of every day we have a choice to make and we can choose to feel small or we can simply step into being our best selves and ironically this is a question my coach asked me who are you when you're big um, when I had just left a 22-year career as a national partner in public accounting and stepped out and all of a sudden became, you know, Kimberly Roush, entrepreneur, <laughs> one-woman show, and I was feeling extremely small. And so naturally, I had a coaching session on it. And he said, well, who are you when you're big? And, and it, it just like, bam, right there in my face. It was like, wow, every moment of every day, I have a choice to make. And every bit of Kimberly Roush was still here. I wasn't Kimberly Roush because I worked at KPMG and I wasn't Kimberly Roush because I had a certain title. I was Kimberly Roush and I'm still here. So that was an insanely powerful question that my coach asked me. And I went on to ask over 5,000 people and have them write personal big statements. And it's um, really inspiring to see people step into being their best selves. Yeah, and usually I would do this at the end, but for anybody that wants to know about big or how to step in your resourceful state of mind, your website is allstarexecutivecoaching.com or? Yes, it is. It okay. is. Okay, that's where you can find out more about becoming big. So <laughs> you had a successful career in accounting before you became a coach. And during your accounting career, did you experience gender bias at all? And how did it impact you if you did and how did you get past those barriers? You know, I, ironically, I didn't really know that I had um, until about 11 years into my career. I actually, we had a whole day, we had, the, the firm had mandatory diversity training, training, and there was a whole day on race and a whole day on gender. And I, I I watched a woman named Pat Heim, who was a pioneer in gender communication skills, I think. And I think my chin hit the table like 16 times. It was like, how had I not known the things that she was talking about and survived 11 years in public accounting? And they were little subtle differences between the way men and women communicate and operate um, that, you know, had people telling me, you know, oh, you're aggressive as opposed to insertive or you're, you know, just little things that, that we don't realize are getting in our way and are forming people's opinions about us. Um, and, you know, I don't think anybody ever intentionally tried to, you know, pigeonhole me as a woman, but, you know, um, if I look back, I can definitely see times when um, that was, that was present, you know, um, I had a lot of great opportunities and, and I felt like I had to fight for them sometimes when, you know, they might've just been naturally handed to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you respond to that? I got educated. <laughs> right. You know, I went on to, you know, to, 
talk on to talk about gender differences for years in in very public and speak on it publicly. And I was chair of the HR committee of California Society of CPAs. And um, this was kind of the platform that I was most vocal about um, throughout my career. And and I use it today, you know, with every single one of my clients, whether they're male or female, because very often they're misunderstanding somebody. And, you know, it could be a female, whether they're male or female, right? And it's, it's so often just a communication difference that, you know, we're, we, we need to look beyond, you know, the words someone says to the intent of what they're saying and be able to have the emotional intelligence to respond in a way that's going to help us have more influence rather than respond in a way that's going to not be perceived to our advantage or to our favor. And it's, it's knowing, it's just knowing that, right. Without knowing that, how do we, how do we possibly survive or, or thrive? I should say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was you that introduced me to Pat Heim. And even though her YouTube video is from the (laughs) eighties, I think it's still as poignant today as it ever was. Agreed. And it, 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 I thank you for, for sharing that with, you know, the group that we're in and, and allowing me to learn about her because she's just, she's revolutionary and it's, it's still really relevant. It plays really well into my next question. And I'll tell you why there's a lot of talk today about should women have to change their approach to be more like men? Um, should we expect that our behaviors are just accepted the way they are? And I, you know, for me in my coaching practice, I like to think of it as not what's right or wrong. It's what works. Does it work? You know, if if it works in your environment, awesome. You know, and I don't really, other than those communication differences, which are, as you say, and I have found so integral to how you're doing at work. Uh, I, I don't necessarily believe that we're, that I personally, or that you are saying women need to be more like men, but I do think, as you say, we need to meet people where they are. So I want to know what your perspective is on this. Are we asking women to change to be like men, or are we just telling them to do what works? No. So, so very interesting. You know, I think my initial take on this was very much, you know, Pat Heim's philosophy and that business was created by men. So the rules of business are the rules that men operate under and they're different than the rules that women operate under. Men grew up kind of playing team sports and loyalty to the team and, and women grow up playing dolls and houses typically, or at least way back then. Right. So again, she was from the, from the eighties. And what I find now is, you know, well, back to, back to her and my initial belief is that if women don't know the rules of business that had been determined by men, or at least kind of the norms, if you will, then how do we play the game? How can we possibly play the game? But if we're aware, then we have the opportunity to be able to adapt when we choose to. So if you don't want to become a man, don't become a man. But if you choose to, you might have more tools in your toolbox to be able to have more influence. Now, that all being said, I think today, you know, when I look at Pat Heim's video, I see two ends of a spectrum and I don't necessarily put male and female on the end, two ends of the spectrum, right? Because there are an awful lot of men who have adopted the more characteristically female styles. And there are an awful lot of women who have developed the more character- characteristically male 
styles. But if you understand the two ends of the spectrum, then at any point in time, you can understand where the other person is coming from. And when you speak to their map of the world, not solely from your map of the world, you have a greater ability to influence. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. You've put it so succinctly and clearly. There's nothing I can add. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I teach in my coaching practice is how, how my clients can build their influence by building relationships with influencers in their field, which I learned in my own career can help you overcome barriers and bias. What's your opinion on the role that influence plays in a woman's career? Well, let me, let me talk about what I think influence actually is in some respects, right? So I think influence is emotional intelligence is the result of emotional intelligence. And let me explain a little bit, right? So emotional intelligence is self-awareness and self-management, social awareness and relationship management. And all four of those are very critical to really being able to relate to and resonate with other people. How I control myself, if I get triggered and show up in a triggered, you know, manner, I'm going to hurt a relationship, right? Or I'm going to throw, you know, muck into the room. Well, we don't really want to do that, (laughs) right? Uh Um, And so if I self-manage, then I'm actually managing my brand. I'm managing my, you know, my ability to influence, Um, and so I think influence is absolutely critical just as much as I think emotional intelligence is critical. And I think that an awful lot of influence, um, so it comes from emotional intelligence and it also comes from your network. So, which, which also is emotional intelligence because it's relationship management. Right. And so having, wonderful people abroad and, and, um, awesome network, right, is going to give you more ability to have influence. And and I'm all for influencing the influencers when you have trouble influencing the person you're trying, you want to influence, right? So who does that person listen to? You know, if you're struggling with somebody, who does that person listen to? Where do they get their, you know, knowledge from? If, If you're not having, you know, success with somebody, how else might you might, how else might you approach it? Right. Mm-hmm. 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 Brilliant. You talked about um, emotional intelligence, and I'm wondering. This is a follow-on question. An- another one I didn't tell you about. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, if someone wants to get emotional intelligence and they're not quite sure how, what what would you tell them? Um, hire me. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, what will you be doing? Or hire you. But aside from that, aside from that, um, you know, one of the tools that I use with all of my clients is actually just the presuppositions to neuro-linguistic programming. So neuro is your brain. Linguistic is the language that you use and programming is your behaviors. And there's, I don't know, 16 or 17 kind of presuppositions that just set the theory for it. Um, And a lot of it talks about, you know, each one of us has a completely unique map of the world that's been, you know, it's the lens through which we look that's been 100% 
you know, developed by the life experiences that we've had. So your map is completely different than mine. And if I just keep talking from my map and it's not resonating for you, that's not going to go anywhere. Right. But one of the premises is um, people don't respond to reality. They respond to their map of reality and honor the other person's map is another um, one of the presuppositions, right? You know, speak to the other person's map rather than solely from yours. Um, I create my reality, I think is another phenomenal um, one of them and one of the presuppositions. And it's, it's, you know, everything in life is the story we make up about it. So we can make up stories that disempower us or we can make up stories that, that have us empowered and, and playing big, right? For instance, let's take, let's take someone in transition. You know, you could say, oh, this is awful. It's the worst thing that ever happened to me. It wasn't fair, you know, and, and you know, I don't, I'm never going to land or I don't know how to go about doing this or blah, 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 right? Or you can say, dang, <sighs> a career coffee break. You know, when's the last time I was able to just stop and breathe and get intentional about where I want to go? How do I make this a gift? Same facts, completely different mindset about it, right? And so, so that's another one of the presuppositions of NLP. And finally, another one that I use all the time is, is behind every behavior is a positive intention. Or as I like to say, nobody gets up in the morning intending to be an idiot. And so how do we assume that? How do we find the other person's positive intention? So um, you could probably just Google NLP presuppositions, or if anybody wants to, to email me, I'm happy to send them a copy of the document that I use with clients. And it's got a little brief explanation on, on each one. But I think it's, it's continuing to educate yourself and then putting it into practice, using it. It's just like a muscle that, that, you know, you got to keep working and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger every day. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, I mean, I agree with you. Hire a coach, hire Kimberly, <laughs> hire me, you know, hire a coach because it, you just nailed it on the head with your last couple of sentences there. It, it's not the knowledge exactly. It's the practice of new habits that uh, takes consistent effort and it's so valuable to have that outside perspective or someone that's on your team but not in your daily life that can give you the feedback of what you're experiencing and how to implement these tools when it's not uh, your go-to behavior or mindset that's you know what coaches do and in my mind would you agree with that Exactly. And imagine, you know, every time you're dealing with a challenge, I mean, I speak to my clients generally once a week, right? So it's like, okay, what's coming up? And what are you struggling with? Or what are you stuck on? Or what, you know, what can you prepare for to have greater influence? <laughs> or, you, you know, and to be able to sit and think it through and have somebody ask you all the questions that that will get you in the right frame of mind and in your most resourceful state of mind and deliberate and intentional. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all about not going it alone, right? This is a team sport. And how do we, you know, how do we amplify our ability to reach our fullest potential and generate the greatest results is, is not by going it alone, typically. Sure, sure. How do you think that working women can gain more influence in their workplace or in their field? I mean, do you have any like top tips? I think the things that I just 
spoke of those those NLP presuppositions are are um, definitely helpful. I think asking yourself, you know, or, or or getting into conversation with other people about, you know, what's the story I'm making up, and what other stories are possible in this situation that I'm looking at with, you know, a a tough lens on, right? I'm looking at a situation and I'm struggling. Okay. And I, you know, I think the other person's an idiot and, you know, I'm judging them as being wrong. And, you know, I'm probably not going to have much influence with them if I'm, you know, going into it with them being a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so talk it through with somebody, try and think about, challenge yourself to think of different perspectives that might actually be the reality, or at least, or certainly the other person's reality, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned something too, uh, in the workshop you did for the women's leadership program. And I, I call it the, the listening tour, but just getting curious about other people, because if, if, you, if you listen more than you talk, I think it starts to build that bridge to other people's maps. Um, you sent me a long time ago, the NLP precepts, and I'm gonna look at it again. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I think that idea of just listening a little bit more with the idea of where are they coming from and being, as you say, curious, um, do you find that helps? Definitely, definitely. And one of the things when you're listening to check on is, are you judging? Are you judging the other person? Are you looking at them as good or bad or right or wrong? Are you looking at yourself as good or bad or right or wrong? And how do you simply just, you know, get to neutral and say, okay, they're just trying to go about doing their work in the best way that they know possible. And I'm just trying to go about doing what I'm doing in the best way I know possible. So what's What's the disconnect? Where are we coming at it from a different perspective? There's something called another presupposition that is perception is projection. So if I think you're an idiot, you're pretty much going to know I'm projecting to you that I think you're an idiot. (laughs) And people know, you know, if somebody is like in your court or not. Um, So how do you get really clean with your own thoughts about a situation and just go into it? you know, factually with, and and you might even have a different interpretation of the facts, right? So, so constantly sort of challenging that, but not judging the other person in any way. Um, So, so in getting, getting clean with that, and then, you know, looking at the story you're telling yourself and and challenging that. Sure. Sure. Excellent. Thank you for, for sharing that. One of the things that I've been fascinated by over the last six years since I started coaching has to do with what I think women's naturally, what we have innate within us that allows us to lead effectively. And I think that because at least my clients who are females sometimes tend to have um, confidence issues or, or whatever, I think sometimes they don't realize they have some really amazing innate strengths. And some of this stuff has been brought out um, in anecdotally by some renowned business leaders like Tony Robbins and Kevin O'Leary and Sarah Blakely, who talk about this natural capacity of women and especially moms to be able to have this broad compassion and be able to juggle all these demands and prioritize better and be more collaborative. Uh, and I, I don't mean to make a statement that only moms can be this way, but I I sort of think that women have those skills innately. I'm just wondering 
feel free to say, Lacey, no, I don't think that's true at all. But do you have any thoughts about women's natural ability to lead and collaborate? I do. I do. And, you know, I'm just going to give you a plug, you know, you lay them out so beautifully in your book, right? Like Thank I couldn't you. agree with, with all of the points you make in your book. And I think the only thing I would add to that is as with any strength that we have. So, you know, I like to challenge and inspire people and, and that's a strength of mine, but so often we take our strengths for granted. They come so easily to us that we don't put a value on them. We don't recognize that those are the very things that are our individual secret sauce. And just because they come easily to us, matter of fact, very easily to us oftentimes, doesn't mean that everybody else has them. And so it's, it's fascinating because I think that, um, we just assume everybody's that way. I remember when I was in public accounting, I loved coaching and developing and mentoring and challenging and inspiring people. And I had so much opportunity to do that. And I was always picked for the employer choice committee and the, you know, the uh, college recruiting and just every, you know, everything you can think of in that regard. I was, I was, I wanted to be on the committees, right. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be the mentor to tons of people and, and whatnot. And it was kind of funny, like there were other people who didn't do that. And I actually found myself getting really resentful that they weren't pulling their load. And, and you know, so here I was with my strength and my ego was getting in the way saying, you know, yes, I'm good at this and it comes easily, but everybody should have to do it. Well, no, <laughs> you know, like that's my, that's what makes me special. That's my unique value. And now do I think compensation should be tied to some of those things? And do I think that sometimes they're not, it's not tied to those things. I'll say there are a lot of people that got sales bonuses that didn't do a lot of mentoring. Let's just say that. Um, and um, I might mention that perhaps there were more men <laughs> doing, you know, focusing on the sales bonuses and more women focusing on the mentoring and challenging and, you know, inspiring and being on committees and things like that. Yeah, I think probably. And, and, you know, that wasn't necessarily tied to my compensation, but it was something I loved doing. But for me to be getting resentful and righteous about other people not doing it really didn't serve me. I was judging. I was judging them. Right. Sure. And it has an impact on your state of resourcefulness. I've learned from you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes, absolutely. If I'm, yeah. running around, if I'm running around with a chip on my shoulder, you're going to know it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What do you think is the biggest hurdle that women are facing right now in the workforce when it comes to gender equity or getting into those top leadership positions? I think it is, and I don't mean this in any negative way, um, I think it's ignorance. And when I say ignorance, ignorance to me is simply we don't know what we don't know. And whether that's ignorance of a woman because we don't know the rules of the game or we don't know how to communicate in a way that's going to have the greatest influence or we haven't developed skills or we haven't, you know, or we're not aware of the things we need to or could be aware of or whether it's the 
you know, the man or somebody else, it could be another female who is unintentionally, and I'm going to assume it's unintentional, unintentionally, you know, not giving us an opportunity or standing in our way or doing something that disempowers us. Now, I believe only we can disempower ourselves, but (laughs) um, we can become disempowered by others, but that's within our control. Um, But, you know, I don't think anybody's intended to squash women. You know, I mean, maybe in certain industries where, you know, the Me Too movement came from, et cetera, there might be a little different view. But I think generally in business, it's, it's, it's happened. Um, and I think that definitely there's been, you know, challenges. Um, but I, I always operate from good intention and I find that it serves me best. So I think it's, I think it's educating men and educating women um, on again, I think a lot of it comes back to emotional intelligence and really just knowing the rules of the game, right? And networking, net playing, which is taking the work out of networking and having the appropriate levels of influence both within our organizations and external to our organizations. Yeah, yeah, I really love that, Kimberly. I think you and I come from the same perspective of empowerment. We want to empower people to make the difference they wanna see in their lives and in their careers. and when we accept victimhood, that's the most disempowering position you could ever be in. So I love that you come from a position of empowerment, which I'm assuming really sort of answers my next question, which you sort of tapped into was how- Can I, can I, can I, please, let me just add to that. So I think another unintentional position we often comes from, come from is martyr. Yeah. I'm going to work harder or I'm going to take on the more difficult assignment or I'm going to, you know, you know, and that's where burnout comes from. So victim kind of has us stuck and we don't really do a lot about it. You know, we might get resentful. We might feel unempowered martyr. Sometimes we even think we're, you know, we're overcoming, <laughs> oh, um, but right. we're actually burning ourselves out and, and your greatest, you know, overplaying your greatest strength, you might be resourceful and always say yes and get asked to do great things because you always get them done. Taking on too much, you know, and being a martyr about it can get in our ways too. And I don't, you know, I mean, people, we all go into those modes, victim and martyr, you know, all the time, right? It's just recognizing when you've adopted that and choosing to, to step into your most resourceful state of mind. Um, and, and recognizing your choice at all times. Sure, sure. I love that. So would that be your answer to you, how we start to chip away at this is just to find ways to step into your most resourceful state of mind? <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and educate yourself and be willing to practice, be willing to play, be willing to try new things. You know, another one, there is no failure, only feedback is another NLP presupposition. You might try something and it doesn't work. Okay. Try something else, you know, um, and, and just be willing to keep trying until in, 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 I guarantee in a very short period of time, your level of influence will start to grow and you'll start to realize that it's, it's pretty fun <laughs> to master these skills because you, you just, it takes away the, the hardness of, of things that don't need to be hard. Nice. I love that. So we can actually enjoy our struggles is what you're saying. <laughs> 
Well, I think it changes, you know, struggles to opportunities. Sure, sure. 100%. Oh, thank you, Kimberly. Well, what is your top piece of advice for women that are experiencing some type of barrier to their advancement? Um, I think it is to... to learn how to speak up in a way that provides influence, right? And it's, I think it's, you know, you said earlier, be the change you wanna see in your career. Um, if, if we speak up from frustration or if we speak up from, you know, victimhood or if we speak up from, you know, a martyr perspective, we're not likely to be heard as clearly as if we speak up from, a place that's not pushing blame or not pushing, you know, malintention or, or anything else. Now, certainly there are times, you know, when it may be appropriate to do that. Um, but I would say in the, you know, absent, you know, her, uh, a formal harassment case or something along those lines, sure. I think that, you know, I assume we're talking about different barriers than those, right? <laughs> Just mm-hmm. the routine barriers we all come across. Um, it's learning, it's back to this emotional intelligence and influence and, and just practice, 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 and actually play, 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 play. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Kimberly. I know you're a very, very busy woman, coach, executive speaker, and I really appreciate you taking the time today to visit with me and our guests. My pleasure and anything I can do to, to help advance women and, and make the the journey a lot more fun and a lot easier. It's all, all well, time well spent. Do you want to add anything to where people can find you? Sure. I can be found on uh, my website, allstarexecutivecoaching.com. If you want to go see some of those big videos that Lacey and I talked about early on, there is a Vimeo site called Getting Too Big, G-E-T-T-I-N-G-T-O-B-I-G, that has some wonderful um, recordings of people in their most resourceful state of mind, fully aligned to their values and their strengths and their gifts. Um, if you're looking for a little inspiration, you're sure to find some there. They are very inspirational. (laughs) They are. That's it. Yeah. And if anybody wants to email me for those NLP presuppositions, just mention Lacey in this program. And, and my email is Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y at allstarexecutivecoaching.com. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Kimberly. And My thank pleasure. you everybody for listening today. My name's Lacey Shane. Wherever you're listening in the world, remember, you are the power. 